BC has a coach we all know, Steve Adazio. This is his third year at BC, and he coached with Scott Leffler, actually, at Florida and Temple. At Temple, Adazio was the head coach, and Leffler was the offensive coordinator. And Adazio was such a good coach that he actually got Leffler the job at Auburn as the OC the following year because we know that Leffler wasn't the reason he got that job. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Some anger coming out of you there, Pete. So Adazio is 17 and 17 overall at BC. He's 8 and 13 in the ACC, 3 and 5 this year, but he's 0 and 5 in ACC play this year. So they're struggling. And two of their three wins were against FCS teams because of a uh, scheduling quirk. But Adazio runs a, you would say, a run first style, I think is safe to say. He's an O line and offensive coordinating guy. He's offensive centric and he likes to pound the football. He likes an aggressive defense, and all of his teams are known for being extremely tough. And he goes by the saying of be a dude, which I I just came to the realization today that's why Loeffler has been calling McMillan a dude. A dude. But uh, there's a few things about BC I just want to say before we get into previewing their offense is – this past week, they lost Kareem or Cameron Moore, I should say. He's a cornerback. They lost him to a leg injury. And that has been, unfortunately, the story of BC's season. They have lost a ton of players to injury, including their starting quarterback, Darius Wade, their starting running back, John Hillman, their tight end, Michael Gianco, two wide receivers in Glines and Garrison. And their latest two injuries have been to their current quarterback, Jeff Smith, who suffered a concussion against Louisville. And Rouse, their running back, also left the game against Louisville. So it has been so rough for the Eagles this season. They have lost so many guys to injury. And it shows in their offense, as you notice, most of those guys, except for Cameron Moore, have all been from the offense side. And their stats back it up. If we don't see Wade this weekend, it'll probably be Troy Flutie, nephew of Doug Flutie. So God, he's fun, been he's been bad. <laughs> that's a that's just a fun side note. But uh, I want to talk about their QBs first, I guess, and then we'll get into their their running backs and wide receivers. Flutie, as we just mentioned, he'll probably start this game because of the concussion of Jeff Smith, and that's a really good thing for us. It's it, uh, you know abysmal for him is. Uh, an understatement. He it, that's been right. Let's all right. Let's let's take a tone off here. BC has suffered. We talk about injuries for a lot of teams. TCU's taken a lot of injuries this year. There's a lot of teams that have taken. BC, BC's taken a just a pounding on injuries. Uh, reading those off doesn't even do it justice. They are on their third string quarterback at this point because. Guess what? Flutie would not be starting. And in fact, they're actually going to, I think they're actually going to put in their walk on. Um, I think it's John Fadul, Fadule, whatever you want to call him. That's going to be their starter, probably. It's not, it's not good. Yeah. So let's, let's take a step back and realize what they're doing with, uh, doing right now with Adazio trying to build up a team dealing with this kind of injury situation. I think. Starting with the offense, their offensive line actually started the year halfway decent and turned into absolutely abysmal. What they did against Louisville 
was atrocious. They let up eight sacks, which I don't remember the last time that's happened to a team that I can recall, but that's not good. And that's not – Louisville has a a pretty solid team, but it's not that strong that they should be letting up eight sacks. The offensive line, I think, is going to be a real problem from them. It looks like with Rouse out that they might be, and that's his second concussion. He already had one earlier this year, which is unfortunate. I mean, if you want to stack up how bad things have been against this offense, um, he's they didn't put the media notes uh, in for the injury report this week, which means he's definitely out because they're not trying to tip their hand. What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, just a quick plug, uh, just on my part, I wrote a column on InsideTheACC.com a couple of weeks ago where I was kind of discussing, you know, if Boston College kind of found a quarterback with the defense that they have and with the opponents they face, I mean, they shut down Dalvin Cook at Florida State for the most part in that game up at Chestnut Hill, nearly pulled off the upset, you know, before Jalen Ramsey, you know, has the, has the scoop and score on the fumble, but... Boston College has a defense that's so good that if their offense was even mediocre, they'd be a top 25 team, especially with how weak this ACC has been this year. But with all the injuries and just their inability to throw the football, I mean, no matter who the quarterback's been, they've had issues protecting the quarterback. They've had issues throwing the ball down the field. You know, if they just had a guy back there that could even just you know, complete a 10 or 15 yard pass. I mean, it seems like they're having issues even doing that at this point. And, you know, injuries aside, if, if they were able to do that, they'd be a team that, I mean, would, would be in the running in the ACC. They'd be a team that would, would be, you know, a top, a top five team in the conference. Yeah. BC has got minus 14 yards rushing in the Louisville game, which that that's actually disturbing. I, I think we've actually reached the point of that's not bad. That's just like something is going wrong with the program. Their rushing offense is ranked right around seventy, I think, or sixty nine in the S and P. It's a far cry from where they were with Andre Williams. That that I mean, this was a rushing offense that was, you know, give it the hands off to. What what used to happen with Adazio's offense was you had oversized offensive linemen that could push around defensive linemen, and then he would find a way to pull a running back out of nowhere like Andre Williams and have him rush to the point where if he didn't break his leg, I mean, he was a Heisman candidate. I, what happened during those years uh, hasn't been able to replicate itself, and it's it's sad. So... I don't know if we have to talk about it that much because this offense is atrocious and in a lot of different ways. Not all of it is their fault. They're on the second and third string of almost every position you can find other than their offensive line, and then even their offensive line let them down in this last game with eight sacks. I want to say that we need this is good for us in that they're on Troy Flutie. He's probably going to start the game. You mentioned Fadul. He'll, I assume that he'll be the backup, but who knows at this point. But Jeff Smith, although he only passes, he only completing 30, 33% of his passes, he runs the ball well. 
And if there is any Achilles heel for Bud Foster's defense, we know it's a good running quarterback. So if Jeff Smith was in the game, all of a sudden I'm concerned. If Jeff Smith doesn't play, then I'd be shocked if BC got more than 10 points on Virginia Tech's defense because we have been able to contain true ball carriers and we've been able to do okay against mediocre passers, which Troy Flutie at best is a mediocre passer. That's going to be a big storyline. Do we see any of Jeff Smith in this game? It looks like he's going to be out like we, like we just spoke about. So it's, I like it. It's huge. That's, that's the difference in the game. It's the difference. I, it is the difference in the game. And with as bad as Boston college's offense has been, it's even worse when they don't have the running threat at quarterback with Jeff Smith, because Virginia tech's defense time and time again has shown that inability to stop that. So it is a difference in the game. Even with Tech's defense underperforming this year, I don't see Boston College scoring more than 10 points. I don't either. And, you know, this game could easily end up 10-9, 13-9. And you can laugh, but there is... Uh, they, the Wake Forest game against BC ended 3-0 Wake Forest. So, I, and last year, we were Wake Forest one and only win in ACC play, and we could be BC's one and only win in ACC play. I was play. about to say it's Wake Forest Part 2, potentially. It really is. It really is. All right, so we didn't fully complete our thought there, but we will in the BC defense because this is... We talked a little bit last week, you and me, Pete, about whether Duke was for real and whether that defense was for real or they just played teams that didn't live up to, to par. Um, I think... This week is interesting because Duke, by a lot of different measures, has one of the top defenses in the country, and that's going up against a couple of tough teams, not uh, maybe a ton, but now evidently you're shaking your head and you think no. So they're second in total defense. They allow 217 yards per game, and uh, they lead the nation in rushing defense at 62 yards per game. But I guess you're about to tell us why everybody that they played wasn't good and why BC's defense isn't isn't that good, which I will disagree with. No, that's not what I was going to say. I was shaking my head because... I was saying everyone that Duke played was bad. BC hasn't played the toughest schedule in the world, but this defense is good. The BC defense is number two overall in total defense, only giving up 217 yards per game. They're number one against the rush, they're number seven against the pass, and they're third in scoring. Something we saw similar to Duke last week in that Duke was second in scoring, and now we're facing the third in scoring. But unlike Duke, I think that this defense is way more legit than the defense we just faced. NC State is also way up there in defense, and you saw what we did to them. But this BC defense is for real. They're ninth in sacks, getting three and a quarter per game, and they're second in tackles for loss in the nation with 9.6 per game. So they like to get in your backfield, and I'm a little worried they might be in ours a bunch. I said a little while ago that their front seven is very good and it's more it's dirty. This is a very, very good front seven. And I guess it comes from their linebackers. That's that's been BC's MO. Uh you can go back many years. Uh you can hit Keekley, who's the major one, but they've always had good linebackers. What do you think about these linebackers, Mike? This is not the game to run this offense where we go lateral. 
this is a game where you have to get up and down the field. You can't you can't run the side to side. This front seven is way too good at Boston College. I've been watching them all year. This is a group that gets after it. They shut down some of the best running backs in the ACC. Trayvon McMillan is white hot right now, but we need to get him going up and down the field. We need to go get him running straight forward. Um, we'd like to give him the ball going left to right across the formation, a lot of jet sweeps, but you got to get him going right up and down the field in the right direction or else this Boston College front seven is just way too good, way too fast. Tech's running game will not get untracked. I mean, that's just kind of... It's just what's going to happen. I think the the key there and what you're getting at is is the linebacking core because usually when you can't go side to side and end zone to end zone or sideline to sideline, it's usually the linebackers that can get out there quick and they can actually, you know, stop people on the outside. I think that the one place that we might have a little bit of an opening is their defensive line is very, very strong. I think their linebacking core is actually stronger than that. So... I think where where I'm seeing it is, let's just send them Trayvon up the up the up the middle as soon as the offense actually gets a little push. The offensive line, maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's kind of been a a whim game to game whether that's actually going to happen. Um, but their their linebackers are are beasts, so that's going to be that's going to be big trouble for us. If Scott Loeffler was smart in this game. He would run a little bit more of Trey Edmonds. Uh, we've seen him in situations that have been pretty predictable. Third and short, second and short. A situation where you know it's coming right up the gut. I mean, Trey Edmonds is a guy that's a power runner. If you're going to use Trey Edmonds in any game, I think this is the one. Especially if Trayvon McMillan can't get going early. I disagree. And the reason why is because I don't want to see any more Trey and J.C., I only want to see McMillan because Trey can't find holes and neither can JC. The only person that's shown any ability to find holes or break tackles, regardless of height or weight, is McMillan. He's got the burst. That that and that's what I'm saying. And he'll shake people off. And and more than anything else, him and and Rogers are the only ones that I've seen that can actually find a hole and hit it. And Trey is a load, and I like Trey, and he's a good dude. But so often, he picks the wrong way to go. I get that. Uh, my whole thing is with Trayvon McMillan, we haven't seen a ton of inside runs, stuff. Inside stuff runs straight up the middle, and that's more of what I'm getting at. If we can't get Trayvon McMillan going right up the middle, we know Trey Edmonds is a guy that they're willing to send right up the gut. Now, whether or not it'll be successful is another thing, but... If Trayvon McMillan can't get going on runs right up the middle, you know these inside, these inside runs off the off the guards, uh, I think it's something to consider. I'm not saying that should be our first option. I think that Trayvon McMillan is the guy in the offense right now, outside of Bucky Hodges in the passing game. McMillan is everything we got on offense right now. So if they can't get him going up the middle, I think that putting Trey Edmonds in a situation like that would not be a bad idea. Or I think where you might be going is our our favorite intermediary which is sam rogers yeah fullback that i've never seen anybody run as hard and push as hard and fight for every inch as what sam rogers does and he's actually a pretty powerful guy if you can get some momentum going for him and he's actually done pretty well not great i'm not going to say that he's he's been you know you know revolutionizing the world on the inside zone but he's done pretty well there so maybe that's our counterbalance because 
the 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 swap between Trayvon and Sam has actually worked kind of well with that that power inside and then having Trayvon go a little bit out on an outside zone or even a sweep. So that maybe that's another way to go to accomplish both things, which is the power of of Trey, but it's in the form of of Sam Rogers and the walk on we all love. So you can't you can't help but uh, but enjoy that. And, and one quick thing. Uh... We've just seen so much of Trey Edmonds in the single back formations. We haven't seen much of Sam Rogers in that situation. Um, he's been more a guy out of you know out of shotgun where we've kind of handed the ball to on draw plays, stuff like that. I agree with you. Uh, if they're willing to give Sam Rogers the ball in a single back formation, I think they should go that route before going Trey Edmonds. I just know what we've seen more more of Trey Edmonds in that situation, so it's more logical that they'll that they'll go that route. But um, I, I agree. I think Sam Rogers would be the best option if they're going to go with a power running attack right up the middle. More logical because of what we've seen, but not more logical in, in terms of what might work. And I, and I understand the difference. Getting back to the BC defense, they have four guys with 10-plus tackles for loss, which is ridiculous through eight games. Matt Milano at, run, at uh, linebacker, Stephen Daniels at linebacker with 12.5 tackles for loss, which is just crazy production. And Harold Landry, defensive end, and Mehdi, I'm going to mess this up, but Mehdi Abdamad at at defensive tackle, he's got 10.5 tackles for loss. That is ridiculous to have four guys in your defense. We don't have any guys over seven tackles for loss on our team. They've got four over 10. So they, they camp out in your backfield. So this is why we're stressing over who's going to be carrying the football. They get after you. Who, who's going to be lying on their back in the Virginia Tech backfield, I guess, is what we're talking about. But their linebackers as a whole are, are amazing. Um, the one we didn't mention was uh, Connor Strachan. Uh, six and a half tackles for loss, 47 tackles on the season. He's their lead, uh, second leading tackler, uh, the only second to Daniels, who's been a beast. Daniels has five sacks. Milano has five and a half sacks. These guys are are everywhere on I mean against Louisville, Daniels had an amazing game. Milano showed a progression and both these guys have developed throughout the season. That's the thing about BC is they know how to develop these linebackers. They're not just they're not they never are playing talent. BC is developing talent. I think your point is Adazio. Adazio knows how to develop talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And that's one of the most impressive things that he he does. Let's give a little bit of love to there's not much, but in their their corners. Isaiah uh, Yadam is uh He's going to be on Isaiah Ford all day. He's their man, and if if Ford's out there and he's uh, he's playing, then that's the guy that's going to be on him. We have one other. They lost their defensive back. Did we talk about um, Cameron Moore? He had a leg injury. I think it was in the last game. They're going to be swapping in with one of their converted wide receivers. Oh, converting uh, wide receivers to defensive players. I think we've seen that we before. That, yeah. yeah, I think we know that. Uh, Gabe McClary, he'll be taking over for him. So, overall, I'm a little bit kind of frightened about this defense. I don't know how everybody else feels, but this is a solid group. I think they can cause us a lot of trouble. And, I don't know, what are your overall thoughts, Mike? Well, some of it originally was that Boston College's defense has played a pretty soft schedule. Um and that was some of the initial reaction, you know, when seeing how highly they've been ranked. But 
after seeing what they did to Dalvin Cook about a month and a half ago um, on that weird weeknight game that they had, I think it was a Friday, uh, you know, it was pretty easy to tune into that one. You know, with Dalvin Cook doing what he's doing to the entire ACC right now, it, it scares you a little bit to think, you know, Trayvon Mill- McMillan's been red hot. And he's a guy that's been able to produce a lot of offense just by himself. He's been able to shake some guys off, break some tackles, and kind of make some of these runs out on his own, not even because of the offensive line blocking. So if he gets shut down, I mean, it scares me a little bit just because of how well Michael Brewer came back and played last weekend. I don't see, you know, if McMillan gets shut down, I just don't see a situation where Michael Brewer is going to be able to throw the football with the efficiency and success he's had, um, not only in the Ohio State game, when we couldn't run the ball at all, we just had a good game plan. But this past weekend, uh, where you know against Duke, where we had established the run and the play action pass kind of opened up, and Brewer was able to throw the football with some success. So I'm just worried that we'll become one dimensional, and we're not a good enough team right now on the offensive side of the football, you know, to uh, to, to be able to be one dimensional for a long period of time. I agree, and my biggest complaint with. Leffler has always been he never has a plan B. He will adjust at halftime here and there, but against Pitt, he he passed the whole game. That's what he decided he wanted to do, and he didn't change. And in this game, he might see, oh, they're really good against the rush because you know Leffler looks at the stats because he quotes them every press conference that he's going to be like, oh, well, we need to pass. And Brewer might have 50 pass attempts this game. Like, it's... I hope that's not the case because we need to make sure that we run Trayvon. I realize that they tackle well. Their secondary tackles extremely well. The loss of Cameron Moore is really good for us because it will allow us to pass better. But all of those guys tackle well. So regardless of if you're able to get to Isaiah Ford or Cam or Bucky in space, they're taking you down. You're going to have to sustain drives. It's going to be hard to get those big plays on this team. And just a real quick comment, I was actually in the stands at Lane Stadium for that Pittsburgh game. And for me and for, you know, I was I was visiting my sister who was still in school there. And for us to be able to call the plays from the stands, you know. It, that's bad. I mean, and it's been like that for a couple seasons now. And we, we've kind of gotten into the play calling enough already. But, you know, from an offensive standpoint, we were so one-dimensional in that game that when you can call the plays from the stands, you know it's an issue. And this is something that we've kind of dealt with year to year since, you know, seemingly since since 2011 when they were in the conference championship game. I will say that's why it's so interesting, all the names that are on the table. If and if something were to happen with the coaching, they exist on a lot of the offensive side of the ball. And they are very interesting names because they're the people that don't play one-dimensional, that they do mix it up. Or they play so one-dimensional but you play in a way like a spread. Those are some of the names that have been on the table. It's been very interesting to see what's coming up in the offseason. And it's funny you say that thing about being able to call the plays from the stands because I was having a conversation with my friend Nick the other night. He was at the game last week, and he was sitting in the south end zone. So he was like, it was kind of cool because I was able to see how they're lining up. And he's like, I swear I could look at the formation and know exactly what we were going to do. You send the guy time. in motion, you know it's a sweep or a fake jet sweep. It's like, if I know that from the south end zone, what is Duke knowing from being right on the field? Like, that's sad. That's not how it should be. And quite frankly, 
we, you know that I'm tired of it. You're tired of it and everything else. I want to just – let's sum it up with our keys to the game. What we think is – I'm a little nervous about this BC defense, as we've said. But I think we can exploit a couple things. And with the loss of Cameron Moore – they have a good secondary, but it's by far the weakest area of their team. With Ford, Cam, and Bucky, we're going to make some plays down the field, some 15 yards plus. And Ford's got a, gotten open every game. We know that. Uh, Isaac Yedem will be on him. He's kind of a shutdown corner, but no one can shut down Isaiah Ford. He'll make his catches. And if nothing else, it will only leave Cam and Bucky more wide open. Brewers got to get the ball out quick, at least quicker than he did last week. Uh, he was shaking some rust off, and I get that. But a few times he held on to it way too long, led to some really deep sacks, not just like five-yard sacks, like 17-yard sacks. Absolutely can't do this against that BC pass rush. No way. Can't do it. And we still have to try to run. And that's my last key is you can't give up on it. What happened in the last game was unacceptable. What happened in the first half and only giving five rushes to McMillan, it cannot happen again if we expect to actually make a bowl game this year. So if we do what we think we should be able to against Boston College, which is defend what is a very hurting offensive team, and actually on their side with our defense, which it's not great, but it's going to be better than probably mediocre with what they've faced. We cannot not abandon the run the, the way that we did in this last game. And if we don't establish that, then we don't have a chance in our last games going out of this year. And that is just not – that's not acceptable. To your point on defense, I expect Luther and Akanem to have big games. This offensive line is 126th in the country in giving up tackles for loss. They're giving up over eight per game. This is a feeding frenzy for the defensive line if they were ever going to have one. And Luther has played as good as any of our defensive linemen have all year. So I expect Maddie to have a good game. Akanem, based on what I saw last week, he'll step up. I don't know what to expect from Daddy, but he'll have his opportunities. You know, he's not going to be sat on the bench. So he'll be out there and he will have his opportunities to take him down with his lobster hands. And I expect Loeffler to bring the house all game. I expect to see a lot of the bear uh, aggressive against the run and pass, especially against these quarterbacks. Just if you can avoid the big play, we'll win this game. But we've seen that big play against almost every team, even Purdue at a 60 yard run on us. But if you can avoid points are going to be precious. If you can avoid that big touchdown run, we will be all right. I mean, they're on their third-string quarterback and their third-string running back at this point. I mean, this is as good a time as any for the defense to have their best game of the season when points are at a premium. And I'm ready to see Deion Clark make some plays. You know what I mean? Um, he, Deion he, Clark doesn't exist on the defense. And he, he essentially... Not, he had a bad game this past game. He essentially sure. He's essentially disappeared. And he's a guy that last year Tech relied on so much. You know, the defensive line was getting a bigger push. And Deion Clark seemed to always be there to clean it up. And he's he a guy... He seemed to start to turn things around, the NC State game. And we're not seeing it anymore. At least these past two games, it hasn't been the case. And 
It's a bummer because you're right. We did expect big things from him. And he's a guy who had a very good game against NC State. He had a slow start to his season. Great against NC State. Okay against Miami. Very, very bad this past weekend against Duke. And I think he goes as the defensive line goes. If defensive line has a good game, I think Deion Clark has a good game. At least that's how it's been the last couple of years. So last week against Louisville, they combined with BC for 30 tackles for loss and 14 sacks. And could we see 20-plus tackles for loss in this game between the two teams? It's possible. That would probably mean that we're having a pretty good game in the backfield, but we'll see. Or lobster hands. It's going to be ugly. This is going to be an ugly game. I expect to see a lot of guys taken down behind the line of scrimmage.